Welcome to the Don't Trip on the Usual Travel Podcast from Beyond Experiences. My name is Kishan and I'm going to be speaking with Anand today. Hey Anand. Hi Kishan. I, I clearly remember that you had been to Myanmar a few years back. And the only thing that comes to my mind about Myanmar is the old Bollywood number, Meri Pia Gaye Rangoon. Right? And <laughs> Rangoon happens to be in Myanmar, if that's right. That's right. That's right. right? So, is that... I mean, Tell me something about this place. I mean, uh, I know you go off to different sorts of places, but why Myanmar? Right. So, first of all, uh, Myanmar was earlier called Burma. Okay. I still prefer to call it Burma. Yeah. So, so do and, I. And uh, when it was Burma is when its capital was Rangoon. Now that it's Myanmar, its capital is called Yangon. Ah, okay. So, um, I come from Kerala. Uh, right. My family comes from Kerala in the southern part of India and uh, a lot of people from Kerala and from Tamil Nadu used to go and work in Burma. What was the business that they used to be involved in? They were not involved in any business, they were working. Okay. So a lot of the uneducated people would go in and work in the plantations there. There used to be rubber and all of that. They used to work antique, they used to work in the plantations there. A lot of the educated people would work in the uh, British government for as as babus so to say okay doing the accounts and all of that okay my three of my grand uncles were there and when the world war happened when world war 2 happened and Burma became a new front uh, once Japan came into the picture a lot of people after that uh, in fact all my grand uncles after that um, the war was about to hit all ships were stopped etc because they were being bombarded and they were being attacked so they walked from Rangoon into Calcutta and through Calcutta back in up to Kerala. Wow. So one of my grand uncles, uh, many people were not seen later after they started walking from there mm-hmm. because you never knew. They were just walking in one single line and people died of typhoid, dysentery, cholera, whatever. Right. He was not seen of or heard of again. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was my grandmother's favorite uncle. So she, from my childhood, she's been telling me about how he used to work there. It was always a great thing for me to go. So he never returned. So he never returned. Nobody knows what happened to him also. They just know that he left from there. And someone mentioned that on the way somewhere he had been seen. Uh, but we don't know what happened to him. Uh, so my grandmother used to keep talking about it. In fact, one of the first things I did after going there was to click a picture. She had told me that his office was the post office and it was behind Burma Shell or something. Mm-hmm. I took a picture of that and... Uh, uh, Came back. Unfortunately, my grandmother was no more, but I showed it to my mom and all of that. Okay. And uh, she remembered him. That, that's how it was. So it has a long um, uh, so, link there. So are there any Indians still Lots. in Burma? Lots. Remember that Burma, uh, you see, all of America has been built on Burma. Yeah, because of Burmese wood? That's right. America was built because of the railroad. And the railroad, the Burmese teak was what was used to build the entire railroad. I see. Those were the plantations. Elephants were used to cut them, and you—it's you, a. So all of these people who stayed back there after the World War, some of them returned to India, but after the, some of them couldn't come back, so they just stayed and, and they married Burmese people, etc. Mm-hmm. And they've settled. Mm-hmm. Even now, you find a lot of Tamilian cuisine out there. Mm-hmm. You find a lot of people who speak a very strange uh, variant of Tamil as a language. Mm-hmm. I met a lot of them. A lot of them gave me free food and all that. They wouldn't take money from me because I could speak Tamil. If I remember right, even the furniture till date, yeah. some of the furniture is you know, Burmese teak. Burmese teak and all yes, that. Yes, right? teak is supposed to be an extremely strong wood and uh, very, very durable. That's why they're used in railroads. Okay. And uh, 
you must read this book uh, by Amitav Ghosh called The Glass Palace. Mm-hmm. He talks about Burma and he talks about the Indian in the backdrop of the international army and uh, Netaji Subhash Bose and all of that. It's, it's a beautiful book. Mm-hmm. You must read it. I, I read a lot about it uh, from there. I was again very, very intrigued by the place. And uh, of course, Somerset Mom, my eternal favorite, uh, all his books about the South China stories and all that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times there'd be these fleeting mention of Burma as this very exotic land. And uh, my childhood, I'd read all of these and it kind of stayed in my mind. And that's why it was on my uh, bucket list. It's a very interesting thing. Um, when you get in uh, to Burma, and my first glimpse of Yangon, I landed in Yangon, which is Rangoon, mm-hmm. and walked around the place and just looked at it and said, this can as well be Calcutta. If you replace the boats with Bengali boats, mm-hmm. I've grown up in Calcutta, you know that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. The city seems like a twin. I see. So there is the same strand road, there is the same GPO and the same kind of construction. Mm-hmm. I, it was almost nostalgic for me. I felt like I was in Calcutta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only difference is in Calcutta, there's a Hooghly that goes by and here it's a Irrawaddy. I see. And there are enough cruisers that go on them and all that. It's, it's The British built them as carbon copies almost. Mm. So, uh, in fact, uh, the last Burmese king um, was exiled by the British, was taken out by the British and exiled in a place called Ratnagiri in India on the uh, western coast. Ah, okay. And he lived there, he breathed his last out there. The, his, uh, the place he stayed in still exists. That's, that's pretty interesting. So, you're saying that uh, the last king yeah. of Burma was exiled in India. That's right. And if I remember right, yeah. uh, the last Mughal emperor, Badr Shah Zafar, Zafar. was uh, perhaps exiled in Burma. That's right. So after the uh, the uh, revolt of 1857, he was kind of, he was a reluctant king. He was right. a poet, etc. And he was, uh, after the British crushed the revolution, uh, the revolt, uh, he was taken and interred in Burma. So he breathed his last in Rangu. Right. In fact, when I went there, I went hunting for his, uh, where he got his last resting place. It's the last Mughal for mm-hmm. God's sake, there should have been graduates. Yeah, so I believe it's a very small place where he was uh, buried. Is That's that right? right. Actually, the, he was buried in a place and there was something that was built up. Mm-hmm. But the British did, never, did not give out where exactly he was buried because okay. uh, it could have led to you know people gathering and mm-hmm. stuff. So they gave the address of a wrong place. Mm-hmm. Much later when the workers, in fact sometime recently only, when the workers are kind of digging for some sanitation work or drainage work, mm-hmm. they realized that there was this um, uh, coffin out there and all that. Mm-hmm. Then they picked it and there was a green cloth on top which mentioned something in uh, Urdu. Then they went and figured out and they realized this was actually the uh, last uh, resting place. Mm-hmm. So now there's a very small uh, construction on top of it. I found it very, very difficult to locate it, kept hunting around, asking people, nobody knew about it, finally found it. And when I went in, it was the biggest anticlimax around there. Uh, I, I, I walked in and uh, it was this small room and there was a sunken part of the room and where there was this thing and there were some flowers. And there were people wearing uh, sarongs, mm-hmm. which is lungis essentially, right. and shirts. And they were all speaking in a, in a Hindi that with a very strange uh, Lucknowi accent. They just moved in at that time with the uh, uh, with Bahadur Shah Zafar mm-hmm. and they just stayed on there. Mm-hmm. He was a Sufi poet, so there are a lot of his poetry that's hung out there, nothing else. And it almost felt like I was in Lucknow, the way they were talking mm-hmm. and all of that. So can you tell us uh, a little bit more about your itinerary? How did you go about planning your itinerary? Um, in true form, uh, I didn't plan my itinerary. Okay. I had a number of days there, about 12 days, I think. Oh, 12 days is a long time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but, but it's good. I mean, it's it's very less for a country the size of Burma, I think. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more number of days. But I kept about 12 days and I went out there, landed in Yangon with 
just knowing that I have a rough idea of the geography of the place and then I'll figure out once I get there. So I reached Yangon and then uh, went around Yangon. It's a beautiful city. I told you it's exactly like Calcutta. Mm-hmm. I even found, I don't know if you've read my blog on the uh, Trichinopolis cigars. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they used to have these cigars which are sent from Winston Churchill, the blog mm-hmm. on our website, mm-hmm. uh, on the Beyonder website. Uh, here, they have this strange form of uh, uh, cigars that are hand-rolled, they're called mm-hmm. sheroots. Right, right. Surata in Tamil right. is a roll of Correct. tobacco. And they brought it there and they brought this thing out there, they, they start calling, the British start calling it sheroots. And even now, sheroots are very famous out there. Now, I found them on the roadside. Yeah. Okay, so you must have picked up quite a few, right? I didn't pick up quite a few. You know, I was at that mode, at that stage, I, was, I had quit smoking. And this was the time when I restarted. <laughs> I, I said, I must try out one of these and, and tried that and kept it. I picked up a few of them and I came back and gave it to a few friends and uh, all of them liked it. It's like a very oversized BD. It's like a like a BD, if you know what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Of and it's like a BD on steroids, nothing mm-hmm. else. It's much bigger and it's about the same uh, texture and flavor, but very nice. So, uh, walked around Yangon, visited Badushah's first tomb. Um, went around to lots of places, lots of parks, beautiful sunsets, great waterfront that is there, mm-hmm. a great food scene around, mm-hmm. um, lots of shopping, lots of, uh, it's a bustling city, man. It's it's just, it's just mm. raw assault on your senses with, with very strange cultures, smells and so on. Mm-hmm. You know, I was walking around at one point, I saw this uh, huge basket of uh, ripe cut mango. Wow. And I thought it was lovely. I was about to buy it and next to it there was a strange basket and it was all fried cockroaches. Oh. So I, I didn't try the cockroaches. I didn't get the guts up to try it. But then um, I picked up the mangoes and I ate it. So, so is the cuisine very similar to Southeast Asia then? It's very similar. It's like a Southeast Asia meets India kind of cuisine. So there's a bit more of spice than in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. Far more relatable spices uh, from an Indian palate point of view, mm-hmm. but very very Southeast Asian also in its texture. What else? Ah, I visited the Shredagong Pagoda. So I believe this is one of the largest and the grandest of pagodas. Is that uh, is that right? That's right. It is what about more than two thousand years old? Yeah, I think it's about two thousand six hundred odd years old. Does this have any kind of significance to Buddha and Buddha having come there? This is the place that is supposed to hold relics. Of three Buddhas. Three Buddhas. Yes. So the Buddhist belief or the belief there is that every 5,000 years there's a Buddha that comes. Okay. So the next Buddha was supposed to be born around that time. So they were all hunting high and low for them. Mm -hmm. Two of these guys who came into India realized that Gautama was the Buddha and he had Mm -hmm. attained his uh, nirvana under that uh, in Bodhgaya. Mm -hmm. So they actually went to visit him there when he opened his eyes Mm -hmm. and they gave him a kind of rice cake to eat. So he accepted that and ate that because he was breaking his fast after mm-hmm. it. And he gave them a few locks of his hair. Okay. They brought that and they're coming back. A lot of this bureaucracy, you know, that still existed then also. All these uh, people claiming their, uh, you know, pay me a bribe and I'll let you mm-hmm. through kind of thing. So all of them on their way, they had to give away a few of them. They came back and there was only one lock of hair or three locks of hair or something like that. Which then was buried in the in this Shredagong Pakoda. Mm-hmm. So they buried it there because the belief was the Buddha before his footwear was kept there and the Buddha before that his uh, upper garment was kept there in different phases. So it is believed that three Buddhas, the last relics of three of the Buddhas are there. Wow. It's a huge pagoda. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Glittery, shiny, gold in most places and all that. And lots of, uh, so every day there's a... Huge amounts of uh, prayer happening, lots of people walking in. I mean, you can literally 
cut through the devotion and hope and prayer with a knife. It's quite interesting. The the hair locks of Buddha yeah. lies in Myanmar. Yeah. And the tooth of yeah. the Buddha is in in, in, uh, in Sri Lanka, right? Yeah, that's right. In Kandy. Yes. So they did this essentially because the relics were sent to various places because it would then be a center of attraction and therefore center of belief. You would see this happening in Christianity also, where various parts of a saint, like there would be the toe of a particular saint right. in one place, there would be the body in another place, the locks in another place, the tooth in another It's a magnet for faith, so to say. Is it Buddhism down in Myanmar? Uh, uh, it's predominantly Buddhism. Of course, there are Hindus, there are Muslims, there are Christians, but it's predominantly Buddhism. Theravada Buddhism, really. Ah, okay. So I did that in Yangon and uh, that was a bustling city if there, if there was any. And I, the place that I was staying in was a small backpacker kind of place in the center of the marketplace. Very noisy, very, very loud, bustling all the time. Not a minute of silence, but beautiful nonetheless. Yeah. I met some absolutely fascinating people who came there. You know, the, the funny thing is people who come to a place like Burma or to a place like Borneo and places like that right. are all of a certain kind of mindset and, and they're very, very easy to get along with for me, right. maybe because I'm also like that. Right. So it's, is it more of the backpacking uh, kind who visit uh, Burma? No, there are a lot of the backpackers who come in there. There are also luxury tourism that happens. So there are very, very swank, luxurious hotels. There are lots of those people also who come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just being discovered. The country is still being discovered. So tourism in a sense is still very raw. It's still travel. It's still not tourism. So it's not like you have people all over the place pestering you for various things. You don't get swindled as often. So from a currency aspect, is it uh, on similar terms like the, the Southeast Asian countries? Yes, it's not very expensive at all. If you look at it from an Indian rupee perspective, it's a very inexpensive country. So did you also happen to visit uh, Bagan by any chance? Yes, that's what I did. I After I finished with Yangon, spent a few days in Yangon, walked around, moved around, made some friends ate a bit, drank a lot and right. moved from there into Bagan. Mm-hmm. Bagan is this, uh, you you obviously know about Bagan, right. you know about the Baloney, is it? Yes, yes, I've heard a lot of, in, in fact, I've seen a lot of pictures and it looks fan, fantastic actually. Yeah, so it's like this huge number of uh, uh, pagodas and temples really, some of it in which worship happens still, some uh, which are, worship doesn't happen. Okay. And it's just this huge complex, imagine acres upon acres of these things. And it's quite a sight when you go in the morning or in the in the for sunrise or for sunset, and you're in a balloon and you take a look at this. So did you, did you go hot ballooning? I did the hot air ballooning. It's too expensive, I think. And I love the experience though. But I did something a bit better than that. And I would suggest that if ever you go there, you should do this. Yeah. Just yes. next to it, there's a place called Mount Popa. It's a mount. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they call it the home of the spirits and all that. It's an ancient volcano. Okay. Very tall, rises up from the uh, plains, mm-hmm. and there's some 777 steps on it. Okay. Okay. So you climb them, you reach the top. Very few people up there. So you walk up there, silent, complete peace, and what a view, man! Mm-hmm. And not as expensive as ballooning. And from there, you see all the temples, all these pagodas, much like you would see from the balloon. Ah, Except okay. that in the balloon, you're floating around, right. you're, you're standing there, but, but it's beautiful, it's serene. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the sunset is mind-blowing in that place. So that's what I did in Bagan. Okay. Stayed around, just, just walked around the place. You know, most people take a cycle and move around. I don't cycle, so mm-hmm. I just walked around. I'm very happy walking around. So walked around Con- the place. Considering that you anyway... Climb a lot of floors, climbing Mount Popa would have been a piece of cake. Yes, Mount Popa was peaceful and I love it. So there are a lot of monkeys though. 
but that is what bagan was um, and some of the shrines are like 10000 years old it's that kind of when you're talking ancient you're talking ancient like that so is there any kind of a uh, impression to hinduism that you found anywhere in uh, myanmar look theravada buddhism has got a lot of hinduism leaning with, with the idol worship yeah. and the and the way they do the abhisheka and all of that so it, it is very very similar so i did uh, bagan and mount popa and then i went off to mandalay uh, you know if you if you have ever been in the british raj etc and you read books on that mandalay right, is something right. that you go right. so i went to mandalay and a lot of lacquer work uh, that happens out there beautiful art that these guys do out there mm-hmm. um a place called mingun where they have an unfinished temple uh, which is even if it's unfinished it's magnificent then i went into the mathentan pagoda which is also beautiful but the biggest thing was the mahamuni buddha image at the puthoda pagoda and uh, finally the sunset from mandalay hill is to die for me Mm-hmm. or as uh, one of my friends i met uh, i spoke to the person recently and uh, she told me she's 86 years old or 85 years old and she told me young man never say a view to die for right. always say a view to live for correct and that's what this was mm-hmm. it was a view like no other and i've not seen a better sunset uh, zadar comes a close second is zadar in croatia mm-hmm. but this was easily the tops so mandalay for some time again a bustling city and uh, had uh, uh, quite a g- bit of fun in um, uh, mandalay There's a place called Mahagandeyar Monastery, so you could uh, uh, go and visit that. I went, I went and saw it. I wasn't extremely impressed by it, but it was nice. It was very nice. I think I'd been spoiled by the Shwedagong. And then there's a lot of weaving. There's a lot of lacquer work that happens. There's a place called Amarapura nearby, where uh, on a Ubangs Bridge, which is again uh, the 200-year-old bridge, mm-hmm. and that's again a lovely sunset. Then I moved on to a place called Inlay. I don't know if you've heard of the Inlay Lake. I think I've heard it, but I don't know much about it. Right, you must. You may have seen pictures of that. There are the people out there. It's a it's a pristine lake in the middle of the mountains, and people there did not develop the uh, skill set required to uh, row row their boats with oars. Okay, so they. use their leg to row ah so the gent uh, uh, stands holding the mast of the small boat mm. and then uses one leg to paddle it's a very interesting one it's a beautiful lake the inlay lake is a beautiful lake in between the mountains and then you take a i took a boat ride there and saw the pagoda there's a mongdao pagoda out there there's the floating gardens there's sherwood making of course that happens there's silver work that happens cotton and silk and all that they make out there Lots. It's a very, very interesting place. In the middle of the mountains, the temperature is far better. It's not as warm and balmy as the rest of uh, Burma is. And of course, the legro and boatman was something else. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then moved back into Yangon, and came to Yangon, and then uh, there's lots of things. There's a Bobbyoke market where you can do a lot of souvenir shopping and stuff. There's lots of people do it. I didn't uh, have much of that. Then there's an India Lake. Uh, walked around that lake, had some fun out there. Went out on a day trip to see to Bago. There's World War Two War Cemetery out there, mm-hmm. so went to Bago and took a look at that, and uh, that's it. So, so you mentioned something about the white elephant. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is it all about? So you know the white elephant of Hindu mythology, right? Which right. Indra used to that's ride. Ayravat, right? Ayravat, that's yes. right. So Indra used to ride that white elephant, right. and he was only one who had it. Yes. Now the white elephants are basically albino elephants. Okay. And all over Southeast Asia, wars were fought for the white elephant. Mm-hmm. So the Burmese are a very very powerful kingdom at one point in time, and they fought wars. The minute they heard that someone had a white elephant there, they used to attack that country and say, "You better give me the white elephant, or I wage war." 
Okay. They used to take these white elephants, supposed to be a symbol of luck, etc. And Thailand, for instance, used to resist uh, vigorously and they'd get beaten. Right. Uh, that's what used to happen um, in those days. Now, I had always wanted to see a white elephant. I didn't know if I'd see it. And I had always thought to see a white elephant, you'd have to go to a jungle. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. But I'd always thought I'd have to do that. And um, I, I, th- I thought I was, I didn't have a wildlife thing fixed in my itinerary, etc. So, in what I was planning to do, 12 days, I couldn't get into a jungle really. Mm-hmm. And some of the jungles are dangerous territory there, so that wasn't included in my plan. I, I didn't go to the north of Burma at all mm-hmm. because of the issues, uh, mm-hmm. uh, safety issues there. So then I kind of thought I wouldn't see the white elephant. I don't know why I thought that. Mm-hmm. You know, if they had been the wild, they would have been captured, you know, mm-hmm. given the fact that everyone right. thought it was luck. So I went into this place, uh, I don't remember where, I think it was either in Yangon or in Bagan, in Mandalay. In this temple, I walked in, and uh, behind the temple, there was a white elephant that was tied up. Okay. And is, is, it, is it completely white in color? Or? No, man. It's not like, I mean, I had assumed that it would be a snow white of an elephant. It's not. Okay. It is a very, it's not gray also. It, it is a pinkish, whitish, grayish kind of a color. Okay. But it was my first time seeing a white elephant. I was Maha excited with that. Mm-hmm. And took a lot of pictures, stood there, spent a long time standing out there and watching this. So it was... It was uh, fascinating. So it turned out to be an anti-climax. No, but the white elephant was a white elephant. Man. <laughs> I had seen white elephant. <laughs> but uh, there are very strange things. Yeah? You were know, asking me about Buddhism and uh, these, uh, what are the strange things that were there. One of the things that I realized when I went there is that there's, there's, this, there's this place where there's a reclining Buddha almost unending in length. It's really, really long. Mm. And I've never seen the feet of the Buddha oh, okay. because it's always been standing everywhere else that I've right. seen, you know, sitting and so on. So very curiosity took over and I went to the, walked all the way and went to one side and looked at the bottom of his feet, the sole of his feet. Right. And it's carved in very, very intricate figures out there. Ah. So the belief is, again, I went and asked the monk out there on what this meant because I'd never seen it before. He said that every Buddha, only the Buddha, one big characteristic of the Buddha which they look for in this reincarnation thing, is that under the feet, there will be the mandala in a sense drawn out. I mean, that would be the foot imprint. Mm-hmm. So all that is drawn out there with very, very painstaking detail of, you know, how the mandala looks. Mm-hmm. So all yeah. of that is put out there with elephants, images and all that is all carved out. There. It's a gold statue. That was an interesting one. There's one where uh, uh, there's a gold plated rock. Yeah, that's very near to uh, Yangon, Langu, um, a bit of a drive away. But there's a gold-plated rock. It's balanced, uh, they say, the legend is that it's balanced. It's actually balanced on the edge of a mountain. Mm. And they say it's balanced by a lock of hair. Much like in Mahabalipuram, you have Krishna's Something like that, but this is gold-plated. Wow. So, very, very interesting place. Um, I, I, I kind of loved Burma, really. More, I think, because of, in my mind, I had built a lot of romance around it. And much of it was, was actually true. So, would these be the standout experiences according to you? Uh, or oh, yes. I... For me, the standout experiences, one was a white elephant. Mm-hmm. The second was the Shadagong Pagoda. The third was a rock that I told you about, the gold-plated rock. Mm-hmm. Inle was a huge experience for me mm-hmm. of those boatmen out there. Mm-hmm. Mandalay and that sunset, man, it was bloody awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Mandalay was one. Bagan and Mount Popa. I wasn't greatly thrilled by the, frankly speaking, I wasn't greatly thrilled by the balloon experience in Bagan, but the Mount Popa experience was something else. Mm. Oh, and finally, oh, I almost forgot. I went to the house that Aung San Suu Kyi was born in. So her father, Aung San, you know, that was a strange thing, uh, Kishan, about uh, Burmese names. And again, I realized this when I was there. Mm. People don't have names to themselves. As in, you are not Kishan. Okay, your name, 
essentially is a combination of your grandfather's name, your father's name, and your mother's name. So, in the case of Aung San Suu Kyi, for instance, uh, Aung San is from her father. Suu is from her paternal grandmother. Ki, her mother's name was Kim Ki. So, Ki is from them. Okay. So, it's just so a combination. So, it's of very names. easy to name. It's extremely yeah. simple. You know, in Iceland, I found these names. So, they don't have titles. So, let's say your, your daughter's name is Divya. Mm-hmm. Now, her name is very clear. Her title is not Divya Kishan Prasad. No? Right. It's Divya Kishan Dottir. Oh, okay. The daughter of Kishan. <laughs> Divya, the daughter of Kishan. Okay. Here, it's it's like this. Where okay. it's the father's name, the paternal grandmother's name, and uh, the mother's name. Mm-hmm. So, that's Aung San Suu Kyi. So, I found that her father, Aung San, was a big uh, politician. And he had aligned with the Japanese earlier mm-hmm. during World War II. And then uh, after the uh, independence happened, he is the person who formed the government. But he was killed in 1947 itself. After that, uh, they, they moved out and all that. So Aung San Suu Kyi had two um, younger brothers. They all stayed in a house. Now this house that was there, I went and visited that house. What a house, man, mm-hmm. It's exactly what I believe Somerset Mom, when he wrote about all those uh, colonial houses and all that, is exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Beautiful whitewashed house, grey uh, roofs and and uh, uh, tiles on the roof, etc. And you enter and a lot of plants, trees around the place, a long driveway, a swimming pool inside. You go and suddenly it's all very cool because of the way the construction is. Lots of teakwood furnishings and a, and, and a staircase that went up. And all. Beautiful it was. Mm-hmm. That was a standout one for me because that's where it was all born. I've been a great uh, fan of Aung San Suu Kyi because of her non-violence and... Uh, she was instantly called the daughter of uh, one of the daughters of Gandhi because he, she was. I thought so because yeah. you know she also believed in non-violence and so. That's right. That's Gandhi. right. That's right. So I had if a, I remember right, I think she at one point of time she studied in India as well. Oh Lord, she studied in uh, LSR, Lady Sri Ram College in uh, Delhi. Delhi. Mm-hmm. Then she worked in Shimla for some time. So she was a for long admired her, mm-hmm. and it was a standout for me to walk into that house where she spent her childhood. How does one actually travel down to Myanmar? Oh, very simple. You just have to follow four steps. Okay. The first step is read up Somerset Mom when he talks about Burma. Okay. Second step, read Amitav Ghosh's Glass Palace. Okay. Third step, call up Anand at Beyond Your Experiences <laughs> and he'll do the rest. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, the easiest way to get into Burma is through Rangoon, which is Yangon right now. Okay. Uh, you might be tempted to go to Mandalay. Don't do that because then you'll miss out this entire part. So it's better to get into Yangon. Yangon is easily connected to all over Southeast Asia and India. India is connected to um, Calcutta only. Nice. Uh, or from other cities, you can actually fly into Calcutta and go there or you could fly into Southeast Asia and go. Flights are really cheap. Mm-hmm. You can possibly club it along with the Malaysia. So for instance, when I went, I think I went from Penang. And from Penang, the round trip ticket uh, to Yangon was sub-$100. I had gone in from there. So any of those you could get in. Head into Yangon. And from there, you could do either by road or by flight. Mm-hmm. Your route should be Yangon, Bagan, Mandalay, Inle, back to Yangon. How do you go about uh, you know, visiting these places? Is, is there public transport that takes you around? Or? The public transport is next to non-available. You so, hire a vehicle or get a cab or something. Ideally, I would suggest if, you're, if you have enough amount of time and you like exploring, then do it like I did with nobody around. Okay. But if you want a more structured kind of an experience, you should get a guide. So I've been also hearing about people who drive all the way from Myanmar into Southeast Asia, but there's an element of doubt that 
you know, some portions of Myanmar is not safe. Yes, a lot of people, there is a road that's opened up. You can actually get in from India. Uh, let's say a Delhi or a Bombay or a Bangalore or wherever, you can drive in, go through uh, the northeastern part of India, enter Burma and keep going on that road and get into Southeast Asia and Thailand, etc. Um, the northern part of Burma, as of now, probably not as safe as you would want it to be. Mm. So I would always, I, I tend to discourage people who are doing that. I always tell them that, you know, it's much better not to have the added burden of, of safety when you're going into visiting a place. Mm. It's always much better to enjoy the place without the worry of safety. Mm. So what if you had to wait a couple of years or a, or a decade or so? Alright, uh, thanks so much Anand for uh, making time to tell us a lot about uh, this mystical place, Myanmar. Burma. Yeah, Burma. <laughs> thanks Kishan, thanks. Thanks for tuning in. Do come back for more such experiences to the Beyond Our Experiences Travel Podcast. Take care, stay safe. Have fun and whatever else you do, don't trip on the issue.